This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. With pedals like the Snow Day Delay, the Pep Rally Fuzz, the Trash Panda, and my personal favorite, the Science Fair, which is two classic dirt pedals in one with a mid-boosted overdrive on one side, a black lab rat circuit on the other, and a blend knob to blend between them to find the perfect classic stacked dirt sound you're looking for, it's hard not to find something you'll love. Mark builds all of his pedals by hand in Syracuse, New York, where he also works as a full-time educator. In addition to the super fun graphics on their pedals, Mark also offers custom artwork. Want your dog's face on a pedal? He can do it. Want your face on a pedal? He can make that happen too. Go over to summerschoolelectronics.com and make sure to tell them that 40 Watt Podcast sent you. All right. Hey, all. Welcome to uh, episode, I don't know, I there's like three in this season. I've already lost count because I don't really count. Uh, you can ask anyone's ever played a gig with me. Um, so <laughs> welcome to 40 Watt Podcast. My name is Philip. I'm your host. Super excited, like I am every week. I think I say I'm super excited every week because I am. I like doing this. This is fun. Uh, chatting with people in and around the gear industry. Uh, the music industry is a lot of fun for me. It's a way I stay connected. And this week, I have Nully from Callings, and and Nully, because I only call you Nully, I've actually uh, completely forgotten your actual name. Uh, you're I think that Nully. is my actual name now. Yeah, it is. No, that's wh- that's who you are. Uh, yeah, that's that's who you are to me anyway. So um, no, it's actually Stephen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which um, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, Nully, how are you today? What up, forty? I'm doing good, man. Man, I'm so nice glad to, to have to you, you on. We we met at um, Fretboard Summit last year in uh, think, yeah in uh, Chicago. Uh, y'all going again this year? Oh yeah, yeah, good. That's one of our favorites. We won't miss that one. Yeah, I, my plan is to not miss that. I'll miss a lot of other things before I'll miss Fretboard Summit. Exactly. Just because that one's it, such a good hang. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's just a good hang. Just period. I yeah. think I went to like all of like two actual sessions, and the rest was just hanging with people. And yeah, it's it's so uh, as a. As a builder, when we get invited to that stuff, you just never know what to expect. And all the different shows kind of have a different flavor. But the Fretboard Summit treats you so well. And the people that attend it are knowledgeable and not looky-loose. They're there to look at guitars. And the builders bring heat. And so it is a fun – it's a fun show. And I've been doing this for a while, so I have a lot of friends. And that's one of the places I can hang out with my friends at NAM, it's a grind, and you're constantly. Uh, it's just a different vibe, and we love it. So yeah, we're already talking about what we're going to bring this year. Nice. We try to we try to bring exciting stuff to that show. Yeah, and now that I've actually been to NAM, I can make the comparison. And absolutely, uh, NAM is four days, going back to three days next year. Thankfully, um, yes, of thankfully. just work. It is yeah. absolute work. Uh, yes. There's some fun hangs afterwards that I got to do and got to meet a bunch of people, but it is absolute. Um, the people who say they had fun at NAM, like real fun, are people who just showed up <laughs> for a day or two and didn't. I was like, that was hard. Uh, yeah, I'm good for half a day. Say <laughs> hi and, and look at the stuff. And then it's just, you know, it's an industry show. And so it serves its purpose. And it's, it's fun on some level, mm-hmm. but. I guess I shouldn't talk bad about Nam. It's done great things for us, but it, compared to the Chicago show or IBMA or some of the other stuff that we do that is either more luthier focused or player focused, Nam is definitely a grind. Yeah. But we had a great time this year. We took guitars for the first time in four years, five years. Yeah, and, y'all uh, had some rad stuff. We had stuff to do. Y'all had a bunch of prototypes. Um, oh yeah. I um I I I stu- I. I Ran across the booth a bunch while I was there, and I'm double checking a name. So, like the first time I stumbled by the booth, I see um, Jens Larson sitting there playing with uh, Rotom, yeah. and uh, yeah. they are just just shredding. I've actually got video yeah. of it that I'm going to get up on YouTube at some point. Uh, I've still got to finish my my video that I'm doing about Nam the wrap up, but you know, I came back with a sinus infection and my wife came back with COVID and it was just, Oh God, getting back to normal was so hard for like two weeks. Yeah. I was just in this limbo of recover from Nam. 
That's that's you, me, and everybody else that does it. Yeah. So let's uh let's uh, go to to happier subjects though. I'm really curious because I, I I don't I don't know how you got into this mess. I don't know how you started doing this. So <laughs> how'd you get into guitar? How'd you get into music? And then how'd that lead you to? Uh, I th- your title is head of manufacturing at Collings, correct? That correct title? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know titles are a little arbitrary in this industry because everybody does a lot. And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so how'd you get yeah. into guitar? Uh, well, like everybody else, um, I grew up, I was born in 70. So I grew up in the 80s when Ingve and Paul Gilbert and the hair guys and Dio and Iron Maiden ruled. And I had to be part of that scene. And so, uh, for Christmas one year, I think I was 13. I got a Kalamazoo and knew that it was corny <laughs> and, and I had to be cooler than that. And so, uh, I played it and played it and played it and, one summer, a buddy of mine and I, I'm from Iowa. Mm-hmm. We contracted these acres to detassel corn because there was a Yamaha at the music store I wanted. And uh, you could make, at the time, minimum wage was $3 an hour. So you could either make $3 an hour working for a company or great geniuses that we were. We could contract these acres and just do it ourselves and make all the money. And at the end of... Sun up to sundown a couple weeks, we came out with 140 bucks each. <laughs> so anyway, I got that Yamaha and because I'm super cool, it's also still in my senior pictures and everything. Yes. I had a, a permed mullet, like feathered, <laughs> parted in the top and feathered back and then permed and Oh, it was, it's just a beautiful I, thing. I'm going to, I'm going to need that photo for the YouTube thumbnail. The, yeah. <laughs> the guys around the shop have discovered it and it turns up every once in a while That's with awesome. me clutching this Yamaha lovingly and just like the rock star. Um, anyway, obsessed with guitar, loved playing guitar, could not put it down. Um, and life kind of led me i joined the army when i was 16 because i decided i wanted to break out of iowa and i didn't know what i wanted to do i wasn't good at anything um joined the army did that rotation got out uh went to school because i wanted to surf and and chill so i went to school for marine biology again i got here by a battle by by a bunch of really bad decisions and uh Hey, I just want to surf all the time and live on the beach. So I'll be a marine biologist. Well, it turns out there's people that are really passionate about that. And I wasn't one of them. I wanted <laughs> to live on the beach and surf. And to make matters worse, I bartended my way through college. So you can imagine how successful I was. Uh, anyway, one day I was driving home. I was still obsessed with playing guitar and remembered that little ad in the back of Guitar Player Magazine, Roberto Venn School of Luthery. It was like an eighth eight page ad. Yeah. And, uh, and I applied and got accepted and I went there and from, from a kid that was never good at anything and never cared about anything. The moment I walked into that school, I was like, Oh, these are my people. And this is like the smell and the noise and the, the doing stuff with your hands. And the, in the end, it, everything about it appealed to me. And I finally had kind of found my thing. And so, that was 99, I think. Uh, so it took me a while to get there, but I've been doing it ever since. That's awesome. It's interesting you say that, you know, like you found your people. And and like we yeah. were talking about earlier with the Fretboard Summit, and I promise, Jason, I'm not blowing smoke, but uh, uh, Jason Verlindi, the editor of yeah. Fretboard uh, Journal, who puts this on for you listeners that thought I just forgot Nelly's name for a second. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, it was... Go, so going there and in the comparison to Nam is is exactly what you said. Nam feels like this is business decisions. This is you're going there because as a business you need to, you should. There's some debate there, but I'm going to use the word you should go. Um, Fretboard Summit feels like that's where the people who yeah build guitars yeah have companies whether they're small or big whatever but that's where they go because they absolutely just love this and they love the art of guitar building and guitar playing and they want to hang out with other people that share that intensity so i look forward to it every year it's it's amazing 
Yeah, this will be my so the first year I ever went was in 2022 and it was actually sort of accidental. Um I was going to be in Chicago because my wife and I were taking a trip to go see Ariel Posen play at Shuba's in Chicago. Uh yeah. and hang out with a, a buddy and it just happened to be the same weekend as Fretboard uh Summit and I had been talking to Barry from Gres Guitars at that time and uh Barry was like, well, let me have a guest on this. Do you want to just show up for a day and come? I was like, let me talk to Kelly to see if I can steal a few hours from our vacation to to go to this, this show and had a blast. So then next year I went full time and going again this year. I'm super excited about it. So how did going to the Lutheran school and getting into that, how'd you end up at Collings? Uh, so... Uh... Went to school, graduated, uh, at the time, I think I applied 18 places. Oh, wow. Um, I, I finished well in school. I did it. I was a good, I was a good boy. Um, applied a bunch of different places. I wanted to make acoustic guitars. So I started with the top of my list. I didn't apply to callings because a buddy of mine in school had, come by Collings over the winter break and secured a gig. And so I, I didn't want to step on his toes and take his thing. Yeah. Um, and which is another bad decision, but uh, it made sense to me at the time. So I didn't apply to Collings, but I applied a bunch of different places and got rejection letters from them all uh, for whatever reason. I'd like to think it didn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> Let's blame the industry. Yeah. Uh, so that. the instructors got me a job doing repair and restoration at Woodsongs in Boulder, uh, which I, I loved the people. I loved the location. I loved everything about it. I just didn't like the work. Mm. I wanted to be a builder and repairs its own thing. And it really is. It's, e it's a totally equal different. And, yeah. I'm not repairmen are. There is a unique set of skills that makes you a good repairman, and it goes back to the marine biology thing. I just didn't care about. I wanted to be making. Not that repairmen don't make stuff. I'm not. I'm trying not to denigrate repairmen. No, and and by I, I don't this. think you are. I don't think you are at all. Yeah. Because I, most of the people I know who are techs and repair people, um, even those that build but still do it on the side, they talk about how it's very different. Building Completely. a guitar from scratch, yeah. Then knowing how to fix or repair or modify an already existent instrument—it's a different skill yeah. set. It's it. I I enjoyed the work to some aspect. I love the guys in the shop that I worked with. I hated the customer interactions. I'm not a people person, and and one day the boss got a phone call from Steve McCreary here at Collings who had called the school asking for a name of a guy cause he needed somebody. And thank God they <laughs> gave him my name. And I'll, I'll never forget that moment. I could hear John talking and then he handed the phone to me and, and I was, so I cleaned up all the work on my bench. It took me six weeks or something like that. I was doing a retop and I was doing fun stuff. I just yeah. didn't, and he's like, be careful, man. You're going to work your way to management. And I was like, no way, dude. I'm a builder. <laughs> Lo and behold, <laughs> he was right again. He was right about everything. I love that guy. But, uh, yeah, I got the call. First day I showed up in pleated khaki dockers and a white long sleeve shirt like I was going to a wedding because it was Collings Guitars. Right. And Steve looked at me and goes, man, you're a little overdressed. And, uh, yeah, and I've been here since I, I love it here. That's so I think that's a really important, uh, lesson to, to explain to some listeners who maybe they want to be, uh, techs or maybe they want to be builders and they, they don't necessarily yeah. want to start their own company. Um, and a lot of them, there's always that debate of, and, and you hear it in not just a trade school, but you hear it in college or no, or trade school or no, and, and yeah, there's a whole lot you can learn on your own doing it in a home garage shop and watching YouTube videos and reading books. Um, but there's an awful lot you can't get do, doing it on your own and not going and studying with people who know what they're doing. And one of those things is the connections that that school probably has with the industry. Like you said, for sure. they called the school looking for a name and they gave yeah. them yours. 
Yeah, and now I recruit. One of my my jobs that I enjoy is I go to the schools and recruit and kind of tell the kids what life is like on the other side of guitar school wall. And and my speech has changed over the years to, oh, my God, it's the best industry ever. And I love it so much. And I've never worked a day to like, no, dude, you better be passionate and give me everything that you've got. Uh, the industry, guitar builders, we all. We're not all the same, but we occupy that that same space between the two circles where we all have this in common. And so you've got your stoner metal kids, you've got your college dropouts, you got your musicians that think it's a chill job. Yeah. And and some of all of that is true. And then you've got you've got the small percentage of people that are really driven to one day be an amazing guitar maker. And so my job, I have the utmost respect for guys that don't go this route. Um, because I, I have the benefit when I started of guys that have been doing this for 20 years to ask questions of or 30 years or yeah. whatever and ask, ask the bracing guy, why, how ask the, you know, and so there's, there's so much information in this building that's available that isn't available to other guys, but, but that's as a builder. As we were talking about, there's also repair, there's also finish, there's also plec, there's also CNC. There's all these different avenues that you could go in this profession. Electric, acoustic, mandolin, you know, um, traditional, modern. There's just a million ways you can go. And I don't think I understood that when I graduated guitar school. And, yeah. and so that's kind of the nutshell of the speech that I give is. You know, Bob Taylor told me when I was young that being a guitar builder is swearing an oath to poverty. And <laughs> and and I I'm paraphrasing Bob, but he's half yeah. right. It's like this is a passion job. Um, there's no Teslas in my parking lot or Porsches or anything else. It's. But having said that, I wouldn't do anything else. That's pretty awesome. And I, and I like yeah. you to say that because a lot of people have this misconception about certain brands, um, especially, uh, you know, just cards on the table, expensive boutique brands. And yes. they think, oh, they yeah. must be rolling in money. And yeah. the fact is, no, they, they use I, the same, y'all use the same metrics to generate your prices based on cost to build and all of that. Just like some, you know, Squire building, you know, $400 uh, yeah. guitars. It's, it's all and even some of my newer employees. It's hard to explain to them, but I have 50 some people on the floor. Yeah. And all of them takes a paycheck and and I need it to be a livable wage in Austin because Austin's getting more and more expensive. Oh, so yeah. the price tag on our guitars doesn't go to pay for our helicopters. It goes to pay for our employees. What does pay and for the helicopters then? Of the vending machine, I get seven percent, which is another lie I tell the new employees. Uh, I lie to the new employees a lot. They think I was in the X Games, and I get seven percent of the vending machine and everything else. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, you might find out I'm a little crazy through the course of this interview, but the cost of these guitars is labor, and uh, it's not. We're sensitive to that. We know our guitars are expensive, but at the same time, we're really proud of these guitars. And we know that the amount of competition in the industry now is more than I've ever seen. There's really great guitar makers out there making great stuff. So we have to keep pushing ourselves to get better and better and better, um, which means pushing the employees to to do better, do better, do better. Always looking for efficiency, but that quality can't slip. No, and, and uh, that's what we hang our hat on. And like you said, the competition's getting getting wilder out there. And I think I think there's always been pockets of small builders because I'll still hear stories about you know somebody, especially here in Mississippi or in the South in general. It feels like the South is really this like I don't know. It's it's because it's so musically dense here in the South. It feels like there's a lot. There were a lot of like little pockets of. Oh, there was this guy over in Jackson who used to make guitars and like the Jackson area folks would have their guitars or oh, over in Birmingham. There was this guy who would who would build amps and like just all the Birmingham folks had their amps. But 
with the proliferation of the internet and media like podcasts and YouTube channels, guilty as charged, it's so much easier for people to find out about these smaller builders who are doing cool things who maybe don't have the advertising budget to be in uh, Premier Guitar or Guitar Player Magazine or Guitar World back when I actually read those magazines. Um, Yeah. You know, so it's it's leveled the playing field for the the one person shop that can actually get out there and build a name and and sell a bunch of guitars. I mean, I'll open my Instagram and show it to you right now. Yeah. It's just guitar, 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 guitar. Guys that get twenty likes because they're one man bands in South Dakota and they make cool stuff to you know Bob Taylor and his crew. It's it's the great leveler. And it's really cool to see. Yeah, it, it it's really rad because honestly, it it I think it's really pushed. Uh, and you can actually see it in what y'all are doing, uh, listeners. I'm sorry you can't actually see these. I'll see uh, for YouTube. I'll see if I can't pull some of the the videos and pictures I have from the Collings booth. Um, but y'all showed up with several prototypes at the at Nam. That these aren't even models we make yet. These are things we're yeah. thinking about and. It, some of the stuff that's out there is so rad and and pushing the envelope and changing things a little bit because I, I have this conversation with players all the time and it's like the difficulty it is as a brand to introduce anything new or different in the market is so hard because everyone is so rooted in those traditional concepts of what an electric guitar looks like and sounds yeah. like and what an acoustic guitar looks like and sounds like that the moment you start tinkering with it, it you know, you wonder how's it going to be received, but I feel like, well, you, the number, sorry, of go build, ahead. Well, just to wrap that up, the number of builders out there who are doing so many different things, I think has made it easier to introduce new ideas into the market. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported in part by string joy strings. I'm a snob, at least that's what people tell me. I'm never okay with good enough, and that's where Stringjoy strings come in. They're better than good enough. They're the best. Stringjoy are making some of the finest strings available today right up the road from me in Nashville, Tennessee. They offer custom sets, balanced tension, coated strings, the works. If you need it, they can probably make it happen. You should be using Stringjoy strings, and if you're going to order from them, you really could help this podcast out by clicking the affiliate link down in the description or show notes below. You get amazing strings, I get a little bit of that back to help the show keep going. It's a win-win situation. Get your Stringjoy strings today. From walking the floor at NAMM, not being an electric guitar guy, Mm -hmm. per se, you can, within a nanosecond, just yes or no. There's only, it is so hard to design a new electric guitar that doesn't look like you're trying too hard or, or that isn't completely derivative of something that happened. Of course, it is derivative of something that happened. Sure. But there are so many doodad-looking spaceship guitars that just <laughs> won't exist in three years. It is so difficult and for a company like us that makes traditional stuff yeah um we released our first six in line this year and and some different variations which we've been sitting on for a couple years we're we're always there's more stuff going behind the scenes here and that was the fun of nam for us is will people accept it are people excited by it are we just living in our own bubble of confirmation bias that this is the coolest or whatever but uh it was well received and just on my few laps around the show, it, it's really difficult to make new stuff that hopefully will still exist in five, 10, 20 years and people will still want it. Yeah. And that's always the, the curious thing. Cause you don't know until five, no. 10, 20 years down the line, whether no. it worked, it sounds really good in 2024, but will it sound really good in 2044? I don't want to think about how close that is. Um, yeah. that's depressing and and it's one of those things where and 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 of course callings established name in in the the boutique guitar market i actually was thinking about this but before we got on the call this morning that i callings might be the biggest legitimate boutique builder still out there is there i I don't think can't think of a company that 
occupies that space like y'all do? No, we're we're either a really big small company or a really tiny big company. <laughs> There's, you know, the names that come to mind are Santa Cruz and Preston Thompson, and all the other established boutique companies yeah. are a quarter the size of us. Um, and then you've got your Fender, Gibson, Taylor, all those guys, which are, I don't know how much bigger than us. And I have no so idea. We're in a, we're, and we always have been in sort of a strange space. And, and Bill, Bill set it up that way. Um, we have more people than these other places because Bill, Bill wanted everybody to be an expert at the job that they do. So yeah. I don't have a, a builder that builds everything. I have a side bender and a curfer and a bracer and a, a team of builders. And we don't have a neck guy. We have a front end guy. We have a guy that sets, frets, and sands. And so to so 20 people, 25 people touch this guitar, but every one of them needs to look and play and sound and feel the same. And the way Bill got that consistency and an elevated um, execution, I guess, was to make everybody an expert at what they do. And and I don't see other people doing it that way. And yeah, that's a no, Bill thing from the start. And that's a, it's a really intense way of doing. And it's also knowing what you're getting into. I think of it um, in the way that, um, I don't know, it sounds kind of like, and I love this when I talk to Eli over at Two Rock, who I love. I, I, I love that guy. He's the best. He is yeah. the, the best guy. He's going to have him on eventually uh, when I can convince him that video calls are fine. He can handle this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a that's a massive joke. He's great. Um, but, you know, the way Two Rock builds amps is they build the amp and then figure out what that costs them. Like that's how they do that. And this is the same thing. Uh, if that that's how Bill set it up, that's how y'all run it. You're build the absolute best guitar you can possibly build. And that's mm -hmm. going to cost you to do. That's just going to, it's going to be expensive. And listeners, if you've never played a Collings guitar, um, I'm not saying this just because Nolly's on here. I say this because it's the absolute truth. So the first time I ever touched a Collings guitar was at fretboard summit in 2022. And that was something I never should have done. I should never have played one, um, both acoustic and electric, um, because they have legitimately haunted me uh, ever since. Good. And I'm pretty sure the acoustic I played wasn't even, it, once again, I think it was a, a prototype. I don't think it was anything y'all were even offering yet or something was different or I can't remember, but I'd know that um, last year I played a bunch of the prototypes y'all brought. In 2022, I played the the Julian Lodge, which was the stupidest decision I've ever made in my entire life. I, I there's magic in that thing. That guitar might be the greatest guitar ever made. Um, I, but yeah. that's just you know, just saying. And so I really love that approach. Does it make a very expensive instrument? Yes. Are you getting what you're paying for? I think 100%. I know a lot of people who say the opposite. They're like, oh, I can do just as good with this import guitar and I want to change the pickups and it's fine. Do that if that's what you enjoy doing. Um, but it's, it's not the same as when you have 20 to 25 people who are the expert at what they do doing that one thing on an instrument. Yeah. And in working Bill's design, which is still the design that we use. I mean, Bill was the word genius gets thrown around a lot these days, but Bill was a genius he could look at anything and take away the unnecessary parts, find out what was important, whether it was a car, a guitar, anything. His brain just worked that way. Yeah. He just removed all the noise, found what mattered, and then improved the things that mattered and, and made a guitar that, I'm telling you, you can put a blindfold on me and put a room <laughs> of guitars in there and I can pick ours out. Um because it's, and again, I'm biased, but yeah. I think these things are pretty dang special. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, moving on a little, you, you answered one of my questions already. I was curious how many people sort of work the floor. They're manufacturing and building. Uh, I hate the word manufacturing. I hate that word in this industry. I, I think it, I think it's a little clinical, uh, for, but it is, it's, it's manufacturing, it's building. Yeah. Um, but how did, um, because of the the unique space that Collings occupies as this, you know, 
big boutique builder or very small mainstream builder, depending on who you, what you want to call it. How did, how did COVID affect y'all? Did, how did that affect oh. uh, the market for y'all? Um, Cause I see a lot right now with Gibson and Fender and the big boys and how they had all these big spikes. And now all of a sudden they're dealing with the, the lull that has come afterwards. Uh, well, to start from the beginning, uh, it, it scared us to death mm-hmm. and we ended up furloughing the crew, uh, not knowing how long, but we put them on Texas workforce. So they were getting paid to stay home. Right. Uh, it wound up being 10 weeks, but we had no idea how long it would last. <coughs> there were five of us that were deemed essential employees. There was some loophole, not loophole. There was some rule that to maintain minimum inventory, you could come to work. Yeah. Um, and Texas was probably easier to deal with than California or somewhere else. But yeah. uh, what we did is have Steve, I think it was just Steve, uh, calling the dealer saying, okay, which of these are pre-sold? And so we were just working on the cards that had names on them. Gotcha. And there was Bruce and Bodies, me and Next, Clint running the machines. Uh, basically, we had a body guy, a finish guy, a buffer, and a setup. And and me and Next. And so we were just building guitars that were pre-sold to keep the revenue coming in while we waited to see what would happen. It was maybe the greatest 10 weeks of my life because I had the whole room to myself. We were, we had a great time. Uh, as a builder, yeah. that's the dream. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Sorry, everybody that was sitting at home. <laughs> anyway, let's take that one back. Anyway, after 10 weeks, we started bringing everybody back. We brought them back split shifts. So we had a six to three for a month and then we'd shut down and wipe down all the switches and lamps and, and, clean everything and then a 3:30 to 12:30 or something shift 3:30 to 12 and we'd flip every month and with half the crew half the crew i lost half my crew right at the jump or during those 10 weeks cuz they just moved home to wherever they were from yeah. and didn't want to ride it out um and we've been rebuilding from that ever since at the same time when we thought the sky was falling and the world was ending Sales just went up, 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 up. And so now we always like to have a healthy back order, but the back order, uh, I think on some product lines is two years, a year, wow. year and a half. And I'm not in sales, so they yeah. could tell you the actual numbers. It's obviously slowed down. Um, but with the crew that I have, we're still back ordered and. You know, the amount of kids that go to school to do this is half of what it was when I went to school for whatever reason. So the pool I have to draw from is shrunk. And so we will, I don't (laughs) foresee us ever having, I think at our height, we had 102 people and I don't foresee us ever having that number again. Yeah. Um, With the guys that I have, we're in, I say guys, it's, we have males, female, everything. Uh, we have 50 some people doing 22 acoustics a week, 15 electrics, a couple mandolins and one Waterloo a week. Mm-hmm. So everybody's humming. Um, and we're hoping to get some more butts in the seats so we can make more stuff. But I don't think we'll ever expand beyond say 25. Yeah. You know, that's what we're in our sweet spot right now. That's awesome. I, I I do see that a lot. I'm really curious about like people not going into this industry and building uh, also not just guitar making, but also in amps and electronics. And you see a lot fewer um, and, and, you know, talking to a lot of people in this industry uh, who do build these things, it's fewer and fewer that you talk to and like, builds amps and they're like, yeah, I went to school for electrical engineering and this is, this is what I wanted to do with that or pedal builders. There's very few that say, you know, I went to school, became an electrical engineer and wanted to do this. There's just so many that are just honestly hobbyists who got real serious about it uh, Mm -hmm. and had to learn it as they were doing things. And 
I think guitar building is the same way. We see a lot more folks, again, in the garage watching YouTube videos and maybe maybe reading a couple of Dan Erlewine books and uh, yeah. you know figuring out how this works. And uh, way fewer people going to school to learn to do this, which is wild. I, I wish there had been a Luthery school near me because it's something I would have loved to have learned to do. I don't know that. I, I honestly, the way my, my brain and my ADHD works, I wouldn't know if I was passionate enough to stay at it until I tried it, right? Um, yeah. But I I think there, there's got to be some, some ways to build the interest in building more and maybe going to those schools and getting those skills up front instead of learning by screwing up, which is essentially what doing it on your own is. Um, that's guitar building, period. Yeah, I mess up a and lot of And I'm sure everything stuff, else, but that's, yeah, that's the whole the whole fun of it. You never, you never figure everything out, yeah. you know, and that's what keeps you coming back. Yeah. So how does, so you've got these prototypes that are in the works so that hopefully I've got some pictures up in this video. I don't know if that happened, um, <laughs> but uh, I've got to, I've got, I've still got lots of video and pictures. From... You got a lot to do, man. Just redirect them to our Instagram and they can see them. <laughs> there you go. There you can go see them all there. Uh, no, I want to keep them on my YouTube. No, I'm kidding. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, you're yeah, fine. Definitely. I will. There will be links for uh, the callings Instagram down <laughs> below. So uh, y'all can go <laughs> click and check out over there. Um, what goes like, how much of a hand do you have in designing new models? Is that somebody else's department? Like, how does that happen? It really depends on how the idea starts okay. for electrics. I have very little to do other than my opinion. We have Aaron that runs the electric line. We have Clint that is our engineer. Um, and there's a few of us that have been here 20 plus years. And when we have an idea, Either we hide it from everybody and work on it on the weekends and then present the final idea for a yes or no, or we would shed the idea and, and it's a yes or no. It's a yeah. thumbs up or thumbs down. It's pretty instant because it's not my guitar or Clint's or Aaron's. It's a Collings guitar. And is this a Collings? Um, I'm more on the acoustic side, which is, uh, just as tricky for, it has to be, everybody has to agree and it has to resonate with everybody before we pursue working on it further. But these electrics started, I mean, one of them started as an idea in 2016 and we just never did anything because wow. we're always busy. Yeah. Clint showed me a picture that he had drawn up in 2016 of one of those prototypes that was at NAMM show 2024. You know, there's always something going on. So either you make time to do it and or or you you make time to do it now or you react to having to do it later when sales start slowing down or something. So we've been trying to make time and and show that behind the scenes, we're always working on something. We're not resting on our laurels and just giving you more of the same Um which more of the same in our cases. I'm pretty proud of that. But yeah, that's pretty good. That's uh, pretty good if you just always, do more of the same. Bill would always, I remember being new and Bill was experimenting with different necks, different truss rods, different filler strips, different everything. And I remember being a young guy going, what are you doing, man? These are already the best. And, but he was never satisfied. There's always that extra 1%. And, and after you're around that for a while, it rubs off on you. And, and now it makes sense to me. But as a young man, I was like, dude, you're out of your mind. Just make more of these. Yeah. Um, but also more of these. Not that it it's more exciting to work on new stuff and do both. And, and so we're constantly trying to improve in terms of design and efficiency, all the product lines that we have. But then there's a few of us that are R and D, I guess, for a lack of a better word. If it's not a home run with everybody, we don't pursue it. And there's been some of those too. Very few of those, because if you worked with Bill for any amount of time, you know what Bill would have thought and what Bill would have said. And so there's no, I don't, I hope I'm not wrong about this, but I don't think there's any flying V's in our future or explorer <laughs> shapes. Flying V coming uh, I don't 2026. think Bill would have gone there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, but having said that, you never know. I just, nobody would ever present 
a reverse headstock explorer with a Floyd Rose as the new Collings model. Right. Because the committee would go, Bill wouldn't have done that. Now, I might be completely wrong, and next year we'll take, because that sounds like a cool guitar to make. I'd like to make that. <laughs> uh, but it's the R&D happens on top of production, typically on the weekends, and there's a few of us that work on it. Everybody here is free to throw out their ideas. Um, and in fact, one of our employees had the idea for the uh, Koa Redwood pair that we took to Chicago last year. That was his idea. And we said, yeah, good idea. Let's do it. You know, it's not, it's not me that decides or any one of us. It's, it's the hive. Yeah. And if it sounds right. good, then yeah, we do it. It's a team. So I'm, Curious with your background, you know, you talked about how you got into guitar, Ingve, and like the whole eighties, like Paul Gilbert scene. How'd you end up being an acoustic guy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Let me couch this in terms that make me sound cool. <laughs> my 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 parents had a, a great stereo, and one night I was going through their CDs. The CDs were pretty fresh and my dad had a Wyndham Hill sampler mm -hmm. and it's like flutes and stuff. That's not my thing. And then, so skip, 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 skip. And then a guitar came on uh, and it was Alex Degrassi doing turning, turning back live. And it blew me away that that was one dude doing that live on one guitar. And what tuning is that? And how are there alternate? What, that doesn't sound anything. I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Yeah. It was just magical. And, and so I went on a deep dive on Alex Degrassi way pre internet, way pre anything and found out he played a Loudon guitar. Mm. Fast forward years. Um, I was in Houston and there was a Loudon for sale and I went to go play it and it did a thing that I hadn't heard other guitars do. It had the overtones and the sparkle and the, it, it, it did things. And I bought that and just went down a finger style guitar rabbit hole. Um, and just fell deeply in love with acoustic guitar from that angle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not from the Neil Young angle or any of that stuff. It didn't, once I heard Alex DeGrat, it was like, it's over. And it's awesome. It, well, it is what it is. And, and now I've told George Loudon this story. I'm friends with the guys from Loudon. I've told Alex Degrassi this story. I'm fortunate enough to, you know, and both of them are like, yeah, neat, man. But, <laughs> but it meant something to me that I think that sitting down at that stereo that day is what drove me to be where I am now, other than a lack of skills in anything else. Uh, that drove me, you know, and everybody has that thing. That was my thing. And it's yeah. just. And then I studied that guitar and it's just, oh, I love, love that it. moment. And, and I think every, I think every guitarist or musician or just music lover even just has that moment where you hear someone play an instrument that you thought you were familiar with. Then you go, what that I, so I've told this story on the podcast before. And so listeners, if you've heard it, I'm sorry. Nully has not heard this story. Um, so um, the first time I went to hear the Derek Trucks band before it was the Tedeschi Trucks band, uh, I, a, a buddy of mine, Marshall, and I went <clears throat> and we went to the New Daisy Theater, may it rest in peace, in Memphis, Tennessee. And we watched this incredible show that I still have the bootleg recording of because luckily they post all those things over, I think, on archive.org. So you can just go find the show you went mm -hmm. to and you can listen yep. to that show again if you want to. And it, it's incredible every time I listen to it. But I remember us leaving that show and um, where we, we get on Highway 61 headed south into the Delta back home and we didn't talk until we crossed the state line out of Tennessee into Mississippi. And then Marshall just said, you know how you hear a great guitar player play and you either want to go home and practice or you <laughs> want to quit. 
He said, I don't have either one of those things because he may as well have been playing flute. I'm so unfamiliar with the way he plays guitar. It's that moment yeah. where you, you hear yeah. someone do something that just completely breaks your brain of what you thought was possible on the instrument. And that's I when that I got stuff. obsessed with slide guitar. I'm yeah. nothing. I play slide nothing like Derek Trucks. Not even, you know, just not even a tenth Nobody of Nobody does. Percent. Nobody does. Yeah. And so, yeah. But it, it made me fall in love with slide guitar. Uh, and that's that's what it did. So I love hearing those stories of that weird moment that you had. That And I think we all have them. I think we all have that moment where we heard and got stopped, just dead in our tracks. Yeah. And like, I didn't know this instrument could do this. Yeah, and I I would have been perfectly happy with my Ingbe and my Paul Gilbert and my George Lynch and my Jakey e. Lee and then Buckethead and I'd have been totally <laughs> fine and not missing anything if not for that just mind blowing. I still great, listen to it. Yeah. Such a great moment. Such a great such a great way yeah. to do it. Um so What's in the future for Collings? Like, I know you've got all these prototypes. Like, uh, bringing a prototype to a show like NAM, does that mean, oh, this one's going to be in the catalog at some point? Or does it mean, hey, we made this, this is a cool, we don't know if we're going to do it? Both. <laughs> and and it's like teasers. Do you guys care about this? Do you like this guitar? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, dealers, what do you think about it? It's to get feedback from both um, customers and dealers and see what went over. The good news is it all went over like gangbusters. Yeah. And so now, uh, because they're prototypes, we're not fixtured up to make these things and move them through production. So we're talking about, okay, which one comes first? Uh, and we have to figure out how much labor we have in it and everything else. Mm-hmm. And what's the price point going to be? Um, but yeah, I think we'll be. I think, just my opinion, I think we'll be releasing these throughout the year and because uh, they were all really well received. Behind the scenes, we got other stuff. And so hopefully it's not the same gap of 2016 to 2024, but we're always working on something. And there's some stuff that we're working on that I'm really excited about. And so just good things. And then yeah. we stay busy in the meantime going, okay, what are we taking to Chicago? Cause we always try to take fun stuff to Chicago. And like, how do you outdo your own self from last year? Because Chicago on some level is about competition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we, it's a show off show. And so we want to show off, you know, and there might be something new there. I don't know. Yeah. And, and so listeners fretboard summit is very, um, it's very acoustic heavy or, or grandpa's guitars as, as death clock would have told us. Um, how dare you? <laughs> how dare I, I say it lovingly. <laughs> I say it entirely <laughs> lovingly because that's actually, I, so I recently did a, a video for all of the, uh, the new Gibson releases for this year. And I got to, they're putting out, I, I apologize. I'm talking about Gibson when we're talking about I, Collins, but you're good, dude. They're putting out the, the, they're re-releasing. I'm going to call it a re-release because they used to make J45 with the Rosewood back and sides, right? They're making that again. Um, and I did a reel where I was like, I got to that one. I was like, ah, it's great. It, buy it if you like acoustic, uh, grandpa shit. And like <laughs> my listeners latched onto that. And now they're calling all acoustic guitars <laughs> grandpa shit. And I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> I was like, it's death clog y'all. Did y'all not watch Metalocalypse? Come on. <laughs> uh, but, so, but it's a, it's a lot of that. There's, I've never seen so many acoustic guitars in one location in my entire life than at Fretboard it, Summit. It um, is a true showcase. It really is. And some of them um, are absolutely ridiculous. I think I saw uh, a bourgeois that was like 19 oh, yeah. grand, 20 grand. I was like, oh my gosh. It just, I, I can't fathom that much money in a guitar. Uh, that's just how I how I am as, as a guy who owns some expensive stuff. Um, yeah, but it is, you see some of the most incredible guitars, acoustic guitars, especially that I have ever seen. And I couldn't imagine going there and being like, Oh, I'm just going to take the same old stuff we've always made. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you go, don't want to do that to that one. No, you go, you go to a blues jam and they start 
cutting heads and you're like, yo, you're not going to be able to play the same old stuff that you've always played. You've got to, you got to bring some heat if you want to stand out in this crowd. Yeah. So, uh, how hard is it to stand out in the acoustic market? That feels like it's a challenge. Very, very, very difficult. Uh, you know, in acoustic with electrics, you can make a purple one or put P90s in it or, yeah. and, and I don't mean to, there's so many different variations you can do with the same guitar. Yeah. With, uh, in, Different finishes, different electronics. With an acoustic, you have wood selection and inlay. And so you have fun with wood selection and, and there you go. You can, (laughs) it, with an acoustic guitar, it has to sound incredible. Yeah. And so you kind of work it backwards. Now, what woods are going to give me the sound that I'm looking for? It has to play really well. It has to, depending on what design you're working, does it give you more than what you put into it? And and you just kind of work the design backwards than forwards as you would with an electric. Um, so I think we do that as well as anybody. And, and the point is just to kind of keep pushing that envelope with alternative woods. I'll never sell a wood that's a gimmick wood. I'll only make an acoustic guitar. I stand behind the wood. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of exciting new woods out there right now for us. Um, This old growth spruce is really fun. (coughs) Stuff that was a bridge 200 years ago is now cut up, and the spruce does some pretty incredible stuff. So we're using that, which is fun. and, And then just fishing around. I'm using some locally sourced pecan that Ooh. actually makes good guitars and just I hope that answers your question, but there's only so many ways that you can change the acoustic guitar and still have it be a great guitar. Right. Yeah. And I, I've I mean, seen I guess I could paint it purple. <laughs> don't, please don't, please don't. <laughs> I don't want to. Don't do it. Um, you know, if Prince were still with us and he commissioned one, sure. Nobody. Yeah. Else. We'd probably still say no to that too. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> no love disrespect it. to Prince, there, but there's we say no all the time. Yeah, because nah, it's not what that. you do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like, what we do. Yeah, yeah. I remember when um, I, I think they're a little more open about it, but I ordered a, a Novo. Um, yeah, it was my 40th birthday guitar, and I remember ordering it. And this is back when you still called in and like talked to someone. Yeah, and and they were like, huh. We haven't done that. I need to talk to Dennis. Whether it's like whether or not they would do it. Like, what a what an interesting concept to me. It's like because you hear a custom builder, for example, and you think, oh, well, if I want it, they'll do it. Uh, no, no, that's not their how names it works. on it, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your name's still going to be on it at the end of the day. So we need to stand behind exactly the decisions that were made. And I love that you you say that like uh, you know if we're not going to we're not going to pay. I mean, we get problem. calls. We do get calls where somebody's going to want something that's a little off script. Mm-hmm. And if it's interesting to us and we want to stand behind it, we'll do it. And, and, and we'll make two. <laughs> we'll send a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't think of an example, but I know it's happened. There's, yeah. there's some things that just outside of our aesthetic that we just don't, we try to steer them in a different direction. Yeah, like, oh, maybe we could do this instead. Because yeah, I, I still want to make the guitar, but I want it to be a good guitar that you want to play. <laughs> yeah, and that and that we stand behind. And sometimes people just have bad ideas. Oh, no comment. <laughs> yeah, that's a very that's a good answer. That, but I will <laughs> I'll say it. Sometimes people just have really bad ideas and yeah. the things they want to build. I, and don't get me wrong, I'm a fuddy duddy. I am a total. I am a total traditionalist when it comes to the things I like, and that's okay. Um, but I also like to leave a lot of like grace and leeway. You can play whatever you want to play and have whatever you want to have. But there are some things that some people put out there as possibilities. And I'm like, I don't think that's as good as you think it sounds in your head. Like, just don't do that. I am biting my lip on a couple <laughs> that just came to mind. <laughs> See, I'm trying to think of one because I know I have some. I have a... I have a friend uh-huh. <laughs> who, let's just say, 
he works at a different guitar company. Um, and he may have told me, no, it's me. We had a customer that <laughs> wanted F holes in his neck. And yeah. And he sent in designs and everything else. And well, I get, I'll stop, but there's yeah. just some things we're not willing to go all the way there for. Yeah. And, and it's never an easy no because it's a great idea and we don't understand. And hopefully that guy found another company to do that for it, but we yeah. didn't. It's, it's not always just I want a purple one. It's sometimes it's <laughs> can you completely reinvent the wheel for this one guitar? And, yeah. Uh, you know, we're a shop. We, we have a long list of options and dozens of models and you can mix and match and, and we're pretty happy with the offerings that we have. Yeah, there's there's a lot available. There's a lot more than I thought when when I first uh, became oh, started yeah. becoming familiar with callings. There are a lot more models and variations and options than I. Because I mean, to be honest, that you see a lot of the i thirty five is a really popular model on the electric end. You see a lot of those yeah. out there. A lot of the city limits. Um, but once you break away from those, there's a lot of other stuff out there. Like when I discovered oh, the Julian Lodge, again, yeah. the, the nightmare that haunts me. Um, uh, it, there's a lot feel, more available. I feel a little guilty for backing uh-huh. on our customers that send in things. So I'm going to say the reverse also. Okay. Yeah. We have, I think the last I counted, we had 59 electric finish options or something. And a lot of those are because customers called in and said, I'd really love to have a CL with a lemon burst or a, a, and pick the guitar with this color. Yeah. And which are things that we didn't offer. And now we do. And that's due to customer feedback too. So now I'm, I'm back to even. <laughs> there you go. Back to even. Well, it, so we do know, appreciate it. Well, you know, you have a, you have a lot of really invested um, people working on these guitars who come up with ideas they're still not going to come up with every possible good idea. You know, you're going to have a customer who says, Hey, why can't we do this? And you go, because actually that's a good idea. Yeah. Let me, let me do that. Yeah. And that happens too. And then my poor electric finish guy has to have a (laughs) recipe book of 60 different finish options and what's the base color and this and that, and then pull it off to be able to send it to this guy. He's like, yep, that's the one that I wanted. It's awesome in a manufacturing sense. It's a terrible idea, but for in a guitar lover sense, it's phenomenal because you get what you want. So oh, there's that it. balance there. So and we're not no, great at the balance. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, we like guitars. That's the other thing is that like you have to balance your own excitement about something because, yeah. you know, it's uh, guitar buyers, you know, users players that that buy guitars we talk about the honeymoon period um for creatives there is that um you need to let an idea simmer for a little bit you get real excited about something you need to step back for a minute and let it simmer so that you can come back to it with fresh fresh eyes ears and say you know what i'm not as excited about that as i thought i was (laughs) maybe that maybe that's not the best idea on the planet completely yeah so, Nully, I appreciate you coming on the show. We're, we're coming up on time for the main episode. Um, where all can we uh, find? I realize I, you're not the social media guy there at Collings, but where all can we find Collings on the internet? Oh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and CollingsGuitars.com. All right, uh, listeners, all of those links are down below. So, check out Collings Guitars. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, I'll be honest, you've probably already jeweled over a ton of Collings guitars. So hopefully you heard some stories, got a little insight into the company. Nelly, I appreciate you coming on, man. Man, that was easy. Thanks, Forty. You're welcome, dude. And we're going to go over to Patreon and we're going to talk a little bit more. I'm going to, I'm going to ask the Nelly all the hard questions over on Patreon. So if you want to catch the rest of the, uh, rest of this podcast or actually another podcast, I won't call it the rest of this podcast because that's not fair. Um, you can go over to uh, patreon.com slash 40 watt podcast, where for five bucks a month, you get an extra episode every time I air, uh, put out an episode. So you can come check it out, support it, make sure this show keeps happening. In the meantime, for Nelly and myself, be good to yourselves, be kind to each other and make some noise.
This episode is brought to you by the supporters of 40 Watt Podcast over on Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash 40 Watt Podcast, where for as little as $3 per month, you can help support the podcast and get every episode ad-free. For $5 a month, you'll get every episode ad-free as well as a bonus episode every week. I can't overstate how thankful I am for the support of my patrons and hope you'll consider joining the team and helping keep this show on the road.